You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad you could join us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everybody, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda, and this is a special uh, late Thursday evening episode of the podcast being released on Thursday, April the 13th, uh, 2023. Uh, A little bit of a break from my norm of releasing new episodes on Tuesday evening. But uh, yes, so this episode is going to be released late Thursday evening. I would imagine most people listening may be probably catching it on Friday or even like, I don't know, whenever after (laughs) because it's it's so late. But I'm very happy and excited to announce that my very good friend and mentor, Jeff Haskins, is returning to the podcast to talk Dodger talk, uh, to talk everything related to the Dodgers, how the team is doing now, uh, to talk about how the rule changes with the the, the pitch clock is affecting the game of baseball, uh, whether it's good or bad, you know, it's up for you to decide. But I mean, for the most part, Jeff and I are kind of in agreement that the, the surge in offense that we're seeing in the league because of uh, pitchers being forced to have to uh, move quicker as far as uh, the pitch clock is concerned, is leading to more offense from the league and faster games, which is kind of exciting and cool. Um, But again, it's up to you to decide how you feel about that. Uh, We also talk about Jeff's uh, courtship story with his wonderful wife, Audrey, which is always exciting and fun to hear. And for me, it's just always great to catch up with old friends. And even though it hasn't been that long since last time Jeff was on the show, it is exciting for me just to chat with him again. And yeah, I'm really, really excited that he's back. Uh, The previous episode I recorded with Jeff back in November of last year is actually my most streamed and downloaded episode of the entire series. So it just seems that the audience loves Jeff. <laughs> how, how this episode does, uh, I hope it does great. But at the same time, I'm, I'm doing this podcast just for fun. It doesn't really matter if I'm getting like tons and tons of streams or just a few. Uh, the people who are listening, if you're enjoying it and having fun listening to my podcast, and it's a success. It's great. Uh, for those who wish to know, though, uh, the Jeff Haskins episode previously has 108 streams and downloads so which is the highest the highest of any episode i've done it even surpassed my debut episode with allison uh which actually stands right now at 106 so they're both really close to each other (laughs) but regardless though it's always a pleasure to have jeff on the show and here we go this is my conversation uh, with jeff haskins Returning to the Casting for Fun podcast is a very awesome, wonderful guest, my good friend and mentor, Jeff Haskins. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yes, uh, as, as we talked before the recording, uh, you know, obviously I got to explain to everybody my, my health scare that I had with uh, uh, sepsis, but I'm, I'm doing much, much better now and happy and healthy and family's doing great too. So I'm excited for that. My daughters and uh, my son playing baseball, being able to coach them and being involved. That's so cool. Awesome. Very good. Well, speaking of uh, softball and baseball, I mean, it's really cool that we get to talk the Dodger talk right now. We're in springtime. It's the, you know, the start of the MLB season. And uh, what I wanted to do was actually take the time to talk about our favorite memories from uh, the Dodgers for the many, many years that we've been fans and enjoyed the game. Uh, and then also there's some interesting things to talk about as far as uh, the current rules now for Major League Baseball with the pitching count, because we've seen just a number of really high scoring games all throughout the league. So I kind of wanted to get your take on that as well, Jeff. You know, I uh, kind of enjoyed it. I enjoyed the quick pace. And I enjoy, well, let me put it this way. One of the things that I have never enjoyed is the showboating that people, there's a, who's that, I think Johnny Cueto is a pitcher that, that loves to take his time. So is this Rodney Fernandez, I think his name is right. We probably got a mixed But anyhow, these guys like to get up on the mound and sit there and try several different windups and and really, they, they really play, try to play that um uh, that game where a batter's got to wait on them. And the whole doggone game has to wait on them. And I think it's interesting that um, certain pitchers are having a difficult time with it. And some pitchers, uh, like Kershaw, for instance, he mentioned, he said, it's kind of nice. 
you know, I mean, it, it makes for a quick game. And uh, no reason to stretch things out, especially in, in blowouts. I do believe you're right. The high-scoring games, it's it's kind of like, um, I don't know if you remember, we played in the Coach Bar one time, we were playing soccer. And uh, Josh Dupre said, what we'll do is we make these enormous goals so that we have a high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. Isn't that more interesting? I think yeah, I, yeah think. I, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, and I, and I love the idea of, uh, like last night, um, Jack Muncy hitting two home runs. Um, and it, he had that guy on the ropes, so to speak, because you don't have time to think. You don't have time to set anything up necessarily, or I could say you have to speed things up quite a bit. So you serve up, like Kershaw served up a nice slider too that, that was just right right in the right spot. I can't remember which giant uh, hit a home run off of him um, or a triple. I think it was a triple. But um, it's, yeah, it's it's cool. I, I like the high scoring. I like the intensity. I don't remember pitchers ever taking as long as they, as they have been in recent years. When I was a kid, of course, I just don't remember that. Um, but it just seems by watching it on television now, I, I was picking up a lot on that. I, I think it's, I think that's interesting. What do you, what do you think? You know, it, it's, it's interesting that uh, major league baseball wanted to make the change and, and do it that way. Because again, we're seeing, you know, the higher scoring games, we're seeing faster games where I, I think I remember reading or hearing somewhere that the average time now is maybe like two hours and, and 40 minutes. So they're keeping it under three hour games now, which is, I guess, good for, for the, the mainstream sports audience. Uh, for me personally, I mean, I, I, I want to get into this conversation with you, but during the 90s, I, I went to several games with uh, with the Turners, with Nick and Tad and with uh, my older brother, Fernando. And during that era, like, you know, the the nine, late mid 90s, late 90s, the Dodgers weren't very good. They weren't really that competitive of a team. But for me, the stadium experience was always really fun and great. And I always enjoyed it. But I can't imagine or I can't help but think that now the way it is, maybe Major League Baseball wanted this change in order to, to draw in a bigger audience and, and maintain like a, I guess, a, a more of a family atmosphere at the stadium where the games aren't being dragged out for too long. And we are seeing a lot of like uh, home runs and dingers and high scoring games. Yeah. I think, I think that, you know, um, I kind of lost touch with baseball sometime in the nineties, about the time you started becoming interested in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the last game I took you boys to uh, the Ranch of the Mungo Plates. I remember and, that, uh, yeah. Yeah. In, in uh, Double A. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we, uh, I think that was the last time I had been to a ball game in a long time. Uh, until, until Audrey and I actually moved up here to the High Desert and we started attending the Mavericks, the High Desert Mavericks, um, which was a, a minor league team. They played the Quakes uh, quite often. And, um, we started getting more interested in it. And as our kids started leaving the nest here, we found that we had more time to uh, turn on the tube and watch, watch a game. Um, and once a year, we try to make a pilgrimage back to Ravine, and uh, Ravine, I should say, and, um, and, and see a game. It's, 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 uh, I, I, but I, 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 I left it for a long time. Um, and I'm kind of glad I did because from what I understand it, they really stunk up the point for for a good 15, 20 years almost, right? Because mm-hmm. we, Audrey and I rejoined the Dodgers as far as uh, fandom. Um, I think it was like 2016. It was that it was it was only about seven or eight years ago. Uh, I think when we actually started uh, started paying attention to them again. Um, it was about the time Cody Bellinger was coming up. In the minor leagues, okay, yeah, it's anything because he would he would make an appearance here and there at first base, but only toward the end of the season. And uh, we got to know this kid named Bellinger, um, and that kind of really reinvigorated our interest in baseball. And and of course, naturally, the Dodgers. There's no reason to really be a fan of any other team if you like baseball. You've got the Dodgers. If you don't like the baseball, you got the Angels. You can, you know, you can, you can, it's like the Clippers and the Lakers. If you like basketball, you got the Lakers. If you don't like basketball, you got the Clippers. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, have you had a chance to come out to, to Dodger Stadium since they've done the renovations and since the pandemic's kind of been over? Audrey and I went there um, during the fan day before the season started and just looked around the parking lot, but we never know. Make the quick answer. No, we haven't. We, uh, I don't think we've been to a ball game since before the pandemic. Since uh, I think it was 2020. It is no 2019. It was a year before they won the World Series. Was the last time we've been to the, to the stadium. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so since the the pandemic, they've they've done a lot of renovations to make it more family friendly, which is cool. Like, there's play areas for the kids. Like the you know, I don't know what you call that substance. It's like the the rubbery like track track you can run on. Like a lot of high schools have that substance. Yeah, they have like that built into the floor so kids can play on it. There's TV monitors everywhere. So if you're out and about, like buying food or wherever you are, you can catch the game. So it's it's a really like inviting atmosphere. Which again, to me, it seems like MLB is doing that for not just the Dodgers, for every, all the teams throughout the league. And I guess, as we just discussed, uh, at changing the the pitching rule or having the pitching count between batters is, I guess, kind of a, a, a way of like drawing in fan interest. And it's interesting to think that if MLB really needed to, to do that or... I mean, again, there, there could be plus and minuses or arguments against either way, but for the most part, I think it is making the game very entertaining. I think anything they could do to increase the family atmosphere is has got to be good. You know, um, one of the things that we've had to do lately is we always have to buy the more expensive tickets because we don't want to have someone spill beer down our backs yeah. while yeah. We're, while you know sitting out in the in the right field bleachers which was something that I used to dearly love back in the day, but not so much with my, with my wife and, and uh, sometimes children there. Um, yeah, so that, that playground, that's out in the center field, right? Yeah. Beyond, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. And one of the things I remember more, I, mean, I could tell you, I could talk all night about memories of when I was a child at Dodger Stadium, but my grandmother, um, used to take me early to watch batting practice and then she'd stay late with me and i i, I bring this up because she she really uh, was a fan herself uh we knew where the dodgers parked their cars at the stadium and she would wait around with me afterwards after the game so that the, the dodgers the, the players would be showered and ready to go and we'd stand there in their parking lot and wait for them to come out so we could find my glove or, or find my ball or something like that. They were always so uh, congenial. They were always so friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to her credit, so I'm I'm thinking of of the of the center field pavilion that you're talking about. That area um, that wasn't too far from where they actually used to park their cars. They used to park their cars somewhere between home plate and and uh, and the uh, bullpen uh, on that side of the stadium. And we used to we used to hang out there and stop them till you know till they came out and signed whatever we put in front of them and said hello and that was that was pretty neat back then. I don't think you can do that anymore. Oh, not so much. Yeah, it's actually a really awesome experience that you got to do that. Uh, do you remember some of the players that you that you got to meet really briefly during oh, uh, yeah. being able to camp out? Yeah. Well, my grandma. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a moment and tell you my my grandma, uh, her sister. Back uh, just after, uh, I think it was World War II. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting mixed up. Her sister married a banker, a guy that wasn't just worked in the bank, like his family owned a bank. So they had money, and we were the poor cousins. So we always got to hang out and benefit from her generosity. She bought season tickets for, for her and my grandma and me and one of her grandchildren. So the four of us would have had season tickets to see the Dodgers, um, and we'd go. Part of that included being able to participate in the um, luncheon that the Dodgers back then. The Dodgers used to have spring training in Zero Beach, Florida, and so they would fly into LA at the just before opening day, and they would have a luncheon at the Ambassador Hotel in downtown LA, and Vince Scully was always the master of ceremony for this. 
So we would go there, and of course there was um, there was food. I don't remember much about the food. What I remember is sitting at the table with Ron Say and Steve Garvey and Bill Russell and Davy Lopes and all these heroes of mine, um, and uh, listening to them talk about spring training and uh, what they're doing to prepare for the season and their plans, and um, that was that was incredible, an incredible experience. So. You're talking about when I was a kid, my heroes were that that was the infield. That was uh, Steve Garvey, uh, Davey Lopes, Bill Russell, Ron Say, and then you got Steve Yeager behind the plate, and you've got your outfielders, Joe Ferguson, and um, that it, it was it was really something to be able to uh, kind of touch and feel and know those guys. Um, and then that then I would meet them after the games and. They acted, I know that they didn't recognize me. I know I wasn't their buddy, but they always treated this, you know, eight-year-old kid like uh, like he was part of the team. And uh, I thought that was awesome. That that was phenomenal. And uh, so that's that those were my those are my those are my guys, those are my players. I think I stopped being interested when Steve Sack came along. I never really did like that. Oh, <laughs> well, it's definitely really amazing, great players to 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 have as heroes, which is really great. And that you had to grow up during that era of the Dodger history, which is really fantastic as well. Uh, in the current Dodger team today, are, are there players that you really enjoy or like watching or maybe from the past uh, couple of years that you've really enjoyed? Yeah, you know, I've I've uh, I I really hope that Bellinger was going to work out, you know, Um and I've got a personal philosophy. I, I think his down, when he won the National League MVP, um, we watched it. Audrey and I sat and watched the whole ceremony where, where he was at home with his family, waiting to hear whether he was going to win or not. And he was there with his high school girlfriend, basically. Next thing you know, he's hooked up with this fleet chaser named Chase, who was previously in a relationship with uh, you know other ball players. Uh, Aaron Judge, for instance, from the Yankees, mm-hmm. and you just don't want to—you just don't want anyone who would have anything to do with a Yankee. You just—it's it, just that's bad juju. Yeah, <laughs> that poor dude never really came back to form after that. I—I mm-hmm. uh, I, I know, I know, it's—I know that has nothing to do with his performance, but to me, that was—that was kind of his his downfall. So, so to answer your question, yeah. It, we get we get a little carried away with certain players, uh, him and Kershaw, and uh, the um, the current lineup. Freddie Freeman is just like the most stable, uh, absolute one of the best players I've ever experienced as far as consistency and talent. Um, you've got uh, Max Muncy, who has, has been a, a, a reclamation project. You know, he he was basically let go from the from the A's and the Dodgers picked him up. I, I don't remember if they signed him to a minor league contract or not, but I mean, he's, you know, he, along with Justin Turner, same thing. Justin Turner was released from the Mets as someone who just wasn't worth having on a team anymore. But uh, these guys all find a home at, at Dodger stadium and, uh, and they excel. I mean, Max Muncy, son of a gun. What a, what a week he had with the, with the giants. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's just so so exciting, so thrilling. Um, we love we love Kike Hernandez. We love uh, Chris Taylor. Now the kid that I'm looking at right now is this James Outman, um, Trace Thompson, and uh, and these guys, these guys, and Will Smith for heaven's sake. Uh, the guy's so talented. Um, if he if he stays if he stays true to his what appears to be his character, I, I think he's going to have one amazing career. Um, these guys, these guys are really making it good to watch. I'll tell you one thing: I don't like, I don't like our second baseman. I don't like our shortstop right now. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, if I could, if I could uh, have twenty minutes with the with the management, maybe we could try to get Trey Turner back or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I think we may have uh, we may have um, 
messed up there with Kevin Lux going down. Uh, yeah. In the, in the preseason. Um, yeah, I'd like to, I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to see um, him come back um, and kind of solidify that second base position. Um, second base and, and shortstop are, are so crucial uh, in baseball. Um, I would just like to see a little more seasoned uh, veteran, a proven veteran there uh, at either one of those positions. But, you know, they don't return my phone calls. <laughs> yeah absolutely in fact actually uh my dad would probably like to have a, a few words with dave roberts too for other reasons yeah. as well but <laughs> you know what i do like dave roberts too and i like you know evo the third base coach i mean what a great baseball guy uh-huh. uh, i think both of those guys are really nice and i i um i'd love to i'd love to return to that um that situation where i could go to one of those luncheons and uh, sit around and talk i I, I was probably so starstruck. I never really had anything good to say or ask back in the day. But um, how about how about you? How do you see this uh, this Dodger team this year? Uh, like you mentioned, all the players you've mentioned, and even players from the past who were with the team just fairly recently, have been uh, great and fantastic. Um, the The Dodger bullpen could probably use some work as well. I mean, again, we we've seen, like you mentioned. Uh, basically all the bullpens for MLB teams have been struggling with uh, the pitch count change role now. In fact, I think I remember reading that only maybe four or five teams total have a combined uh, ERA for their bullpen for less than 3.0. So it just seems like everybody's giving up lots of runs. So that's definitely something that the Dodgers will have to work on as the season progresses. But uh, I think it's going to be a really exciting National League West uh, division this year. For between the Dodgers, the Padres, and surprisingly the the Diamondbacks. I know, uh, yeah, boy, they really had their way with us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, all due respect to the Giants and the Rockies. Uh, I mean, who knows? But I don't, I don't really see them being uh, the favorites. It, it'd really be between the Dodgers, Padres, and Diamondbacks. I think when it comes down to uh, the fall. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know the best thing about the Giants. The best thing the Giants ever had going for them was uh, their their coach uh, Bruce Bochy. Um, just because he's so wily, I mean, he was he was so intellectually uh, strategic in his coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one amazing coach, okay? Uh, to take a team uh, like the Giants and get them to the World Series and do it, uh, did they do it like three times in, in the last uh, 15 years? Yeah, I think it was uh, three championships. Even I prefer yeah, not to think about that. But when <laughs> they came in as wild cards into the playoffs, mm-hmm. because he didn't care. He didn't care about winning 162. He didn't care about winning 110 games. He didn't care. He just cared about getting into the playoffs any way they could, and be well rested and have the mindset of. And I mean, what do you think? What do you think was the downfall of the Dodgers last year? when they went into the playoffs and got spanked. Uh, to be honest, I, I couldn't tell you for sure. I mean, was, I was just as dumbstruck as everybody that thinking, how are they losing to the Padres? But it's a, it, it's, it's a strategic move um, that I think that, you know, it, it was a very exciting season. They, they scored a record number. They won a record number of games, right? 111 or something. Yeah. It was an amazing season, but they pretty much gave up hope of having a decent um, playoff run because they ran out of gas. Their bats went dead, and they ran out of gas. It's it's simple. 162 games in a regular season can really have uh, an effect on you. Um, you need to be well rested. You need to you need to give yourself that kind of time to heal. And perhaps by pulling up on the rudder a little bit, um, they could have they could have uh, had a better showing in the in the postseason last year. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, wouldn't you agree? You do your best work when you're well rested, or at, at least conditioned to to be rested at all. These guys went into there limping and and bruised up and beaten and yeah, it was an exciting 162 games. Absolutely. Um, but 
they gave up. They basically gave that up for the. Uh, they gave up the postseason for for that. I think. But like like I like I said before, they don't they don't answer my calls. Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely agree with your your sentiment, but uh, I, I think this season's going to be better, or at least I hope so. So we'll see how the the Dodgers do this year. But again, I think it's just going to be an exciting year of baseball and looking forward to how the team performs this year. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Have, you, have you seen Dustin May pitch? No, he... no, no, I haven't. That dude, you know who he reminds me of is uh, Randy Johnson. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I hope I got his name right. That six foot thin dude from uh, the Diamondbacks. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, this guy, Dustin May, when he releases the ball, it's it's like he's only six feet from the from home plate, and he's got some kind of magic coming from his fingers. That ball just dances, and and it it's really moving fast. So I think that's going to be a very exciting young man to watch um, this year. Oh, very cool. Definitely uh, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, he's, he's, he's one to watch. I I remember when I, – I I'm sorry if I'm dominating the whole conversation, but – No, no, this is perfect. <laughs> I remember when Fernando Valenzuela came into the picture. Mm-hmm. I think I think I was – I would work at, during the summer at my grandfather's cabinet shop, which was on North Spring Street right below Dodger Stadium. And uh, – when quitting time came around, about three or four o'clock, uh, my friends would meet me in the right field pavilions, and we'd watch Fernando pitch. Any any time he pitched at home, we were there. I think that was a year between my junior and senior year of high school, or at least the where when I should have been going to high school. <laughs> um, and uh, and then of course my when I graduated, that next, that was nineteen eighty one, and that was the that was a year of all all possibilities there. That was, that was incredible. But uh, watching, watching a pitcher that has such command of the game um, is truly special. So you find these guys like Dustin May. Um, I used to think, I used to think uh, who's that, who's the guy that just tore himself up last year? Walker Bueller. Yeah. Walker Bueller. Uh, he had some magic stuff. Tony Gonsolin has some magic, magic, pitching uh, those guys are it's it's going to be an exciting year i i hope these all these other guys come up and and uh, get healthy and participate because it's it's truly uh, a joy to watch oh yeah absolutely in fact i mean it, it's uh, kind of the way i've always felt like as i mentioned back in the 90s we were going to games when the dodgers weren't performing well uh and now going to games as often as i can now with the dodgers uh, usually being in contention for for the, the division title. So, yeah, yeah, like you said, it's going to be a really exciting season, very interesting uh, season of baseball ahead of us. Yeah, I think I think so. And you got to wonder, you got to wonder what management is thinking, giving away Trey Turner, um, letting him letting him go, letting him away, but, you know, letting him go. Um, that was that's just one of those things, man. I, I, I love to have him back. It would just be a little reassuring. That's all. Because Max Muncy uh, at third base, I guess he's having he's having a bit of difficulty uh, finding his bearings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know what his error count is already this season. I think he's got two or three errors, and uh, these are that that's that's not a spot where you can where you can make those kinds of mistakes. Um, that's that's an important spot. I think he was an excellent first baseman. I even think he was a good second baseman, but uh, that hot corner at third base, you really need someone there that, you know, that likes the position, I guess, for lack of a better word, or belongs at that position. I'd like to say Chris Taylor would do it, but I don't think he's much, I don't think he's a Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely agree with your sentiments about uh, Trey Turner. In fact, I mean, uh, for the longest time, we've had a Turner on the team. Uh, and I always associate the Dodgers with the last name of Turner, obviously, because of the Turner family loving the Dodgers as much as they do. But so we are, are kind of spoiled. I kind of wish maybe we can get another Turner somewhere in the league who's actually worth having if we can't have Justin or Trey. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's fun. I like that. 
but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if there's nothing else with the Dodgers, I wanted to get into your courtship story with Audrey because we kind of ran out of time last time we were together talking on the podcast. And I think that'd be a really interesting, great uh, conversation topic to go over since you and Audrey are, you know, very dear, near and dear to the Pineda family, great friends with, with my parents and great friends and mentor to me as well. So I wanted to get your your take on your uh, memories and stories about how you met Audrey and how you came to know that she would be your uh, wife and companion for all these years. I uh, okay. So full disclosure, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm sixty years old. Uh, I don't remember everything as clearly as I should. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a very romantic notion of how this how this all went down. So. So, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is how I remember it. Okay. I was, uh, I was a return missionary. I served in Argentina, came home, and ever since I was a young man, I had a, I actually had a pretty clear vision of the girl of my dreams. Um, and I hadn't found her. I hadn't, I'd seen her here and there, but I had never really found her. Um, and I'm being very literal when I say I had a vision. I knew that uh, that this girl was Mexican, and I knew that she just had a certain look and way about her, confidence. And that was always in the back of my mind, Albert. It, it, it's something, you know, and I dated, I dated girls. I went out with girls. I had girlfriends. Um, but uh, when I came home from my mission, I... Uh, I, uh, I dated a girl who was an, an amazing young woman, um, daughter of, um, of a fantastic family, very, very stalwart. She uh, was a, uh, starting her senior year at Brigham Young, and I wanted to attend BYU. So we uh, became engaged, and um, this was in uh, the spring, starting of spring semester. No, starting winter semester, I can't remember. Uh, we decided that I would return back to Los Angeles and work for that semester. And then we would marry in August and uh, start school in September as starving students for about six months until she graduated. And then she would go to work and support me while I flail my way through Brigham Young University, graduate. And, you know, that was, that was the plan. Um, which worked out pretty well until I actually returned home to Los Angeles and was left to my own devices. Um, I, I, think, I think about two months into this, uh, I told you that I had worked in the cabinet shop with my grandfather. Um, yeah. I was approached by one of his clients uh, who needed a, a manager. Um, it was actually at a furniture showroom in Beverly Hills called Schwarman Showrooms on, on Beverly Drive in Beverly, Robertson Avenue, I think, in Beverly Hills. Um, I took the job because it was really good money. And uh, I thought I could just earn and save and earn and save for more and then keep to the plan. When my fiance was to return for summer break, uh, we would just make our plans and have our wedding. And that's, that, that was the plan. In the middle of all this, uh, my dear friend, uh, Jeff Fouts, um, invited me to a birthday party. Uh, it was to be held at Stuart Anderson's Black Angus Restaurant. Um, it was on May 25th. And uh, I didn't know anybody that was going to be at this birthday party. But Jeff Fouts said uh, that it was going to be all girls and that they just wanted to have some guys there. So I didn't see any harm in that. And that's where I met Audrey. And I ain't kidding. Like I said, this romantic mission I got of arriving at Stuart Anderson, she was already there. It was her best friend's birthday that we were celebrating. And I saw her sitting at the table and I immediately recognized her as the person who I had in the back of my mind. Since I was a young man, a young, uh, you know, like a, like a deacon teacher type young man, you know, 
Um, it's just one of those scenarios where you go to state dances, you go to young adult activities, and you're looking for someone, not sure exactly who it is, but you have this image of who she'll be. And that was Audrey. And she and I started talking, and I think we talked the entire time, uh, just chatting. You know, it was all very, very simple. I, I knew I was engaged, and I didn't know her uh, that well, but we made plans. We had not seen a particular movie um, called Against All Odds. It was in the theaters in 1982. Jeff Bridges and Rachel Ward and, and uh, Phil Collins did the, um, did the theme song for it called Against All Odds. Um, and I, and I thought it was a good move. So I mean, I invited to go see the movie. Well, the movie wasn't in theaters anymore. But um, one of the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie was. And she and I went to the uh, Chinese Drama Theater um, in Hollywood and then uh, saw the movie and then went down to Balboa to uh, my, my, my dearest, my, uh, my fondest uh, BJ. Um, the, one of the originals right there on on Main Street in um, in Balboa, Balboa Island, and uh, we ate there. We had dinner there, took her home, uh, but we made plans for the next day to go back to the beach. And I I'm not exaggerating this. I am sure of. We spent we spent every single day. We saw each other every single day, uh, probably until long after our children were born. Um, and I realized that uh, that this girl was was really special. Her spirit, her um, her confidence, her faith. I'm telling you, it was just amazing. Um, and I'm not leaving out the part about still being engaged. I'm just I'm just telling you how I how I came to realize. Audrey Audrey was born about four months after I was. She grew up literally less than a mile as the crow flies from where I grew up. Uh, she and I could have met so many times, um, but we didn't until until that moment. Um, and I just I just think so here's the here's the thing. Um, she was she was uh, a member of another faith, a very faithful Christian family, um, Catholic family. Um, wonderful people. In fact, the night I met her, I was speaking Spanish. I was showing off. And she said, listen, you're coming to my house tomorrow. I want you to speak Spanish. Um, my mother will love it. I said, okay, cool. So I came to the door to pick her up. And in Argentina, you know, you don't knock on doors because lots of people don't even have doors in Argentina. You stand in front of their house and you clap. And then they'll come out and greet you and welcome you into their home or they'll tell you to get lost. So you know what I'm talking about. You were- <laughs> Results the same way, yeah. Yeah. So I get up on her front porch and what do I do? I start clapping. And her sister comes to the door and she says, you know, you may want to hold your applause and after the <laughs> I said, okay. So I come in and I'm, and I'm speaking Spanish. And her mother comes around the corner through from the kitchen into the front room with this enormous smile on her face. And as she sees me, that smile just disappeared. And she realized there's only one good reason for a big old white boy to be speaking Spanish. And that is he must have been a Mormon missionary. And um, that was that was the beginning of a of a real interesting part of my relationship with my in-laws. Okay, I teach in-laws. But um, but we, we saw each other quite a bit. And eventually, I uh, picked my fiance up from the airport. And um, make a long story short, this is a, a superb young woman at the time. And uh, a very stalwart and strong member of the church to this day. And funny enough, if you want to call it funny, um, the day that my oldest daughter graduated from Brigham from BYU, her oldest daughter was graduating as well, and she was there at at BYU at the Marriott Center at the same time I was there. 
Oh no. <laughs> it's not like we were sitting next to each other. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I just know because my mother is still very good friends with her parents. Um and uh and so she happened to know that they were gonna be at BYU uh celebrating her, her watching graduation with uh, their oldest granddaughter. Uh, the same way my mom was there to see her also anyhow. Um small world, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But I can't say enough um positive and good things about uh, uh about my um former fiance. Um she was a wonderful gal and uh it just wasn't it just wasn't meant to be. Um a couple of weeks, maybe a month after I met Audrey, uh for the first time ever, a pair of sister missionaries come tracking on her block. And Audrey happened to be there from what I, I think Audrey was all alone in her house. Otherwise, I don't think her family would have let them in. But Audrey saw them and said, hey, this guy that I'm dating is a member of your church. I'd love to know more. And, uh, you know, this is still during that time when I'm kind of vacillating back and forth thinking I'm actually engaged. I'm supposed to be starting school. And I know darn well that I'm in love with this woman, with Audrey. And I knew that that was gonna be it. Um, but I was in the middle of all this and and she wasn't gonna wait. She took the, she took the lesson and she, she was baptized at the Garvalia building. Oh, no, 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 she was baptized at the Alhambra Ward building. Um, I guess, I think maybe Garvalia doesn't have a font or maybe it wasn't working, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was it was just it was just one of those things, Albert. That golly, I don't. It's just a whirlwind. I could not. You know, you know what they say about prayer and about directing your life through the guidance of the Holy Ghost. Um, you'll know when it's right, and you'll also know when it's not right because you won't be able to concentrate on it. You won't be able to fix on it. It'll be you'll have a stupor of thought. Um, my thoughts about Audrey were so clear that it was just perfectly natural. And uh, we were, uh, she, like I said, she was baptized in September. And uh, we started um, attending, I believe we attended Temple City Ward uh, because we, our first house was in Temple City. Then we moved to Monrovia and then we moved back to Temple City. Anyhow, uh, we were married by uh, Tom Payne. Oh, interesting. Uh, Very cool. He married us in the Las Flores Ward building um, because he said, uh, you guys need to get married. <laughs> it, you know, you're supposed to wait a year after you're baptized till you can go to the temple back then. And uh, he said, well, you know, you guys are in love. Uh, there's no reason for you to wait. Let's get you married. And then in September, for her one-year anniversary, we went to the temple, to the LA temple, and we were seated. And uh, the rest, I think, you probably already know. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what, Jeff? From listening to your story, it seems like you have a very astute memory. I think you you can remember all the details, which is really, really cool. I, you would think so. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I may have taken license here and there, but... But I'm not exaggerating about the fact that Audrey and I saw each other every single day. We spent a lot of time at the beach just because mm -hmm. we liked hanging out at the beach. And we were friends. We were, I mean, we just enjoyed each other's company so much, I think. Um, it, I, you know, uh, Mark Scott told the story one time in sacrament meeting. Uh, he had a very good friend named, I can't think of his name, kind of a goofy dude, but his name was Mike something or other. Um, he actually joined the church. He wasn't a member. But, but he told a story about missionary work, about how uh, two spirits were in the pre-existence, and they're friends. They're dear friends. And they both get their mission calls to come to earth. And one of them is very, very excited because he's going to be born. He's going to have the gospel in his life, and, and things are going to go well. And he goes over to share the news with his friend uh, who says, well, I'm not going to be born into a family where I will have the gospel in our lives. We'll be faithful. We'll be Christian. 
but we we won't be members of the church. And uh, at that time, the, they they vowed to find each other. And uh, since Audrey and I are so closely matched in 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 time, uh, I've always kind of felt like that was that was kind of true. That uh, you can't deny that I mean, our kids, our our lives together, our church services, uh, everything about our existence together um, has to have been preordained. It it just it just has to be. It's like it's like you and your wife. Um, I I don't know how many opportunities you had to to date and marry before you met Allison, but uh, when I saw you two um, together for the first time, I knew I said, "Oh man, that is exactly who he's supposed to be." That uh, you you guys just complement each other so so perfectly. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but like I said, I'm a romantic slob when it comes to that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jeff. I really appreciate that. And I, I definitely agree. And that's a wonderful, amazing story. Uh, it was nice to get some of the details because I, I know, I think you, you shared some of it, like uh, the clapping story. I, I, I remember hearing that when I was a youth, when you were our, yeah. our youth leader. But uh, yeah. it, it's, it's obviously very evident that Audrey, Audrey's have an amazing and impactful impact on your life. But it was kind of interesting and nice to hear that you had a positive influence on her as well, as far as uh, introducing her to the church and being uh, an example to her that would make her want to learn more and eventually become baptized into the church. So that's actually really inspiring to hear that as well. Yeah, that's the best missionary work of all, just being a good example. Mm -hmm. And um, being able to open your mouth and bear your testimony whenever it's appropriate and uh, not not hesitating. Um, that's true because... I mean, Audrey has been so impact, impactful uh, in so many lives uh, outside in, in the church. You know, she served as, she's been a primary president, a Relief Society president, young women's president, uh, and counselors to all the above. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm truly grateful. And the, the photo that I sent you earlier um, really kind of encapsulates that because it was totally uh, candid. Uh, we we didn't set it up. It it was um, it was a surprise to us. This guy, I think I told I don't I don't know if you mind I, I explain it. it. He 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 was scouting locations. He wasn't even a member of our church. He was just scouting beautiful locations to take wedding pictures, and wanted to know at the end of it all. He wanted to know if we had to keep the gate. <laughs> so no, we don't. But um, back then when the temples were closed, uh, first of all we love Newport. As, as you know, you know, I used yeah. to take um, it's one of my favorite places on, on planet Earth. And uh, it was just nice to stroll around, even just the outside of those grounds. It's so tranquil and uh, really captured a moment there. But it, it really shows how faithful and true Audrey is. Um, the, most, the most honest and, uh, and beautiful person I've ever known. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I can attest that Audrey is a very uh, wonderful, amazing lady, and that the two of you have been able to create a wonderful family together, which is really great. And and as I mentioned in the previous recording as well, in you know in recent years, I've gotten to become really good friends with uh, Kimmy and her husband, uh, uh, Nathan, and uh, Brianna through Facebook as well. So uh, you, you've lived a wonderful, great life, and you definitely had many years ahead of you. So I don't want to mean like I'm cutting you short. <laughs> But, I, mean, uh, I, mean, I always kind of hoped I died before I got old. <laughs> old nonsense is for the birds. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm very grateful for for everything. I I I, I think sometimes um, we take for granted the time that we have with each other. Uh, the time mm -hmm. I had with you and Nick and Derek and David and all the guys, um, and, and Dawn, you know gone i mean just to be able to be in the same organization as that dude honestly um i think i i, I think back uh and i look at my life now and my calling and the people i'm working with and i think geez you know what you guys uh i i hope this isn't the best time of my life <laughs> only because it's really not that much fun anymore yeah. but um, but uh 
yeah, you guys, you guys make a lot for me. Just, just take advantage of all the all the time you get with your kids, Albert. Uh, helping helping uh, Avery uh, play ball, um, you know, for heaven's sakes. I even I even coached soccer. I don't like soccer. Oh yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, you remember that, right? I mean, it's nothing. I got nothing against it necessarily. I just, but um, just being able to participate with my kids, um, mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's amazing. You know, I'm. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you to have that opportunity with your kids. Oh, I I am too. It's, it's been a wonderful, amazing experience for me to be a dad and get to see Avery grow up. And she, she loves playing softball. She loves to be out there active with her friends, which is really fun and great to see. And then our, our little adopted son, Liam, it's, it's wonderful to see him grow and develop and, you know, he's two now. So it's just been a wonderful experience to get to see him grow up in the, the two years that he's been in our home. And we, we mentioned this before the recording that uh, we, we have profound impacts on other people that we don't always necessarily realize. So it's great to kind of hear examples of, you know, how you've been able to influence Audrey, how Audrey's been able to influence you. And uh, just to hear of you know, the experiences that we've had together when we were in the Young Men's Organization and that we'll continue to have experiences where we can influence and inspire others to, to the best of our ability. Yeah, that, that's that's so cool. We had to have like a round table. Get get all as many of us together as we can on one of your podcasts. I absolutely want to do that. Yeah, I want to for the next one. I want to touch base with the, obviously with the Turner boys with with both yeah. uh, Nick and Tad and then Derek. Uh, I've tried to get David on before. He he kind of declined. Didn't seem like he was that interested. But I, I think if if I tell him you're going to come on and some of the other guys too, I think maybe we can persuade David to join us. Yeah. <laughs> How can you how can you have an activity without David? Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> but that'll be really fun. Yeah, I'm gonna try and organize that maybe for later in the summer and we'll we'll definitely put something like that together. Oh, that'd be cool. I'm I'm in. Just let me know. Okay. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for giving me your time tonight. Again, this is purely just as a hobby for fun for me to do. But I think you know it's it's important to record these things so that it gets documented. So in the event that you actually do forget some of the stuff that, you know, that led to your courtship with Audrey, you'll have it documented somewhere. So you'll be able to <laughs> go back and listen to it. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's good to, good to get the whole story out in, in, in one shot. You know, I pulled you guys bits and pieces of it, but um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That's, that, that's neat. I, I appreciate you very much. Albert. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome, Jeff. Appreciate you and your friendship and, and you and Audrey are wonderful, great people. So thank you so much. You got it, man. Okay. Continue to Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Okay. So you've been listening to the, the Cassie for Fun podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.